0: Hi, and welcome back to this Book of Mormon podcast. Uh, We're going to do another uh, quotation out of Malachi here. This is going to be 3rd Nephi 25, but it's also Malachi chapter 4. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Again, the Savior is asking the Nephites to include this in the record, and so that's why Mormons included it in the Book of Mormon for us. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root, meaning ancestors, nor branch, posterity. The ultimate blessing of the gathering of Israel is sealings in the temple to ancestors and posterity. The reason the earth was created was for families to exist eternally. First, uh, section 49.16 says, Wherefore it is lawful that we sh- that he should have one wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, and all this, that the earth might answer the end of its creation. the McConkie suggested that Malachi was quoting specifically In Malachi 4, 1-2, from the words of the ancient prophet Zenos, whose writings were contained on the plates of brass, but are not found in the Bible as it stands today. Verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. That is, power in his extremities, the power that came from his his having had nails driven through his hands and feet. In short, the Son of Righteousness came with the power of the Atonement. And ye shall go forth, that was by Millet McConkie, and, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. Orson Pratt said, Now then, all the inhabitants who are spared from this fire, those who are not proud and who, not, who do not do wickedly, will be cleansed more fully and filled with the glory of God. The children who are born into the world will grow up without sin unto salvation. Why will this be so? Because that fallen nature introduced by the fall and transferred from parents to children from generation to generation will be, in a measure, eradicated by this change. Then the righteous will go forth and grow up like calves of the stall. And one revelation says their children shall grow up without sin unto salvation. Satan having no power to tempt them, these children will not sin. And this is uh, the condition during the millennium when everyone will have been translated because they will have received their terrestrial bodies uh, and still be mortals upon the earth. Verse three, and ye shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord. In other words, with the burning and destruction of of the second coming, uh, people will be ashes. The wicked will be ashes. Remember, verse 4, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. The law revealed to Moses in Horeb never was revealed to the children of Israel. That's because they wouldn't accept uh, the higher law, so Moses received the lesser law. Upon a cursory reading of this verse, one may wonder why Jesus is quoting this part of Malachi's prophecy in light of the fact that the law of Moses was fulfilled in Christ. The answer could possibly be that the Lord and Malachi were not referring to the Mosaic Code and carnal commandments, but rather to a different law that was given to Moses in Horeb, a higher law, even the fullness of the gospel, that because of Israel's rebelliousness and stiff-neckedness, they never were able to fully receive. Joseph Smith said, How how shall God come to the rescue of this generation? He will send Elijah the prophet. The law revealed to Moses in Horeb never was revealed to the children of Israel as a nation. Elijah shall reveal the covenants to seal the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Verse 5. These two verses, 5 and 6, are quoted by Joseph Smith more than any other verses of Scripture during his lifetime. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Elijah did come. He came to the Kirtland Temple on April 3rd, 1836, as recorded in Doctrine and Covenants section 110, verses 13 to 16. Jewish literature is replete with the promise and expectation of Elijah's coming. That is the last promise of the Old Testament in the last verses of Malachi. And it is Jewish tradition that on the second night of Passover, they must leave open the door and place at the table head an empty chair and a goblet full of wine in the expectation that Elijah may come. It is interesting, especially in light of that Jewish tradition, that April 3rd, 1836 was the second day of Passover. The symbolism is beautiful. Elijah comes, as they expect, to a home. He comes to a goblet of wine, the sacramental wine. He comes to turn hearts, which is more than changing minds. He turns hearts to hearts. And that was a quote by Truman Madsen. Joseph Fielding Smith said, Among the Jews, Elijah the Tishbite finds a place of honor in their history, second to none of the prophets. It was, I am informed, on the third day of April, 1836, that the Jews in their homes at the Paschal Feast opened the doors for Elijah to enter. On that very day, Elijah did enter, not in the home of the Jews, to partake of the Passover with them. But he appears in the house of the Lord, erected to his name, and received the Lord and received by the Lord in Kirtland, and there bestowed his keys to bring to pass the very things for which these Jews, assembled in their homes, were seeking. When Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith, he quoted Malachi 4, 5, and 6, but with significantly different wording from the way it appears in either the Bible or the Book of Mormon version. In uh, the way that he quoted it is, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And that's uh, also as recorded in Doctrine and Covenants section uh, section 2. Moroni's version adds important doctrinal insights into this prophecy. For whatever reason, Moroni changed the words. It is clear that the mission of Elijah is significant to the restoration of the everlasting gospel and that understanding that mission is essential to understanding and appreciating the fullness of the gospel. The prophet Joseph taught extensively concerning Malachi's prophecy and the critical mission of Elijah. Elijah was the last prophet that held the keys of the priesthood, and who will, before the last dispensation, restore the authority and deliver the keys of the priesthood, in order that all the ordinances may be attended to in righteousness. Why send Elijah? Because he holds the keys of the authority to administer in all the ordinances of the priesthood, and without the authority is given, the ordinances could not be administered in righteousness. Verse 6, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children <clears throat> and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Joseph Smith said that the word turn should be, should be seal or bind. Um, in, the, in the Joseph Smith translation, it says, and he shall plant in the heart of the fathers the promises made. Now the word turn here should be translated bind or seal, but what is the object of this important mission, or how is it to be fulfilled? The keys are to be delivered, the spirit of Elijah is to come, the gospel to be established, the saints of God gathered, Zion built up, and the saints to come up as saviors on Mount Zion. But how are they to become saviors on Mount Zion? By building their temples, erecting their baptismal fonts, and going forth and receiving all the ordinances, baptisms, confirmations, washings, anointings, ordinations, and sealing powers upon their heads in behalf of all their progenitors who are dead, and redeem them, that they may come forth in the first resurrection, and be exalted to thrones of glory with them. And herein is the chain that binds the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the children to the fathers, which fulfills the mission of Elijah. James E. Faust said, perhaps we regard the power bestowed by Elijah as something associated only with formal ordinances performed in sacred places, but these ordinances become dynamic and productive of good only as they reveal themselves in our daily lives. Malachi said that the power of Elijah would turn the hearts of the fathers and the children to each other. The heart is the seat of the emotions and a conduit for revelation. This sealing power thus reveals itself in family relationships, in attributes and virtues developed in a nurturing environment and in loving service. These are the cords that bind families together, and the priesthood advances their development. Elijah came to the Kirtland Temple, we know, on April 3, 1836. A byproduct of this process of being sealed to each other is that those on the earth are sealed to those in heaven and can draw assistance from them. Each generation needs to be welded to the one before it such that a whole complete and perfect union can be made. One of the first things necessary for that union is the organization of the righteous from every dispensation into one eternal family. In this way, all the keys, powers, and glories from the days of Adam to the present are brought together to prepare the earth for the return of its great king. Though there is no direct mention of celestial marriage in the Book of Mormon, it is inconceivable that such blessings were not available to the people who were worthy of them. We would assume also that inasmuch as the fullness of the gospel and the fullness of the gospel ordinances was had by the Nephites, baptisms for the dead were practiced just as they were in the old world. The record is however silent on the matter, and that was by Millet and McConkie. David o. McKay said, The hearts of the fathers and of the children will be turned to, to one another when the fathers in the spirit world, hearing the gospel preached and realizing that they must obey the ordinances thereof, know that their children on the earth are performing those ordinances for them. And so, uh, as we con- consider these words of Malachi, that, that the words of uh, Elijah uh, are true, that uh, he's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and, and back and to the fathers. Um, And that these are blessings that we have in our day because of the temples, that the sealing power is real. I bear testimony to that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.